Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Oceana Gold 2021 second quarter results webcast and conference call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Thursday, July 29th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I would now like to turn the conference over to Alyssa Howell, Please go ahead. Good evening and good morning. Welcome to Oceana Gold's second quarter 2021 results webcast and conference call. I am Alyssa Howell, Investor Relations Manager for Oceana Gold. I am joined today by Michael Holmes, President and Chief Executive Officer of Oceana Gold, along with Scott McQueen, Chief Financial Officer, and other members of the executive team, including but limited to David Londano, EGM of Hale, Craig Fevery, our Executive Vice President of Exploration and Development, and Sharon Flynn, our Executive Vice President of Sustainability. Before we proceed, note that the references in this presentation adhere to international financial reporting standards, and all financial figures are denominated in U.S. dollars unless otherwise stated. Also, note that the presentation contains forward-looking statements which, by their very nature, are subject to some degree of uncertainty. There can be no assurances that our forward-looking statements will prove to be accurate as future results and events could differ materially. I refer you to the disclaimers on forward-looking statements on the final slide of our presentation. Michael, over to you. Thank you, Alyssa, and good evening, good morning to all. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, especially post our most recent news, the renewal of the DDPO FTAA, which is the first FTAA renewed in the country, of which we are very grateful to the government of the Philippines for their support through the process. This is an exciting development for us, and we are looking forward to recommencing the operations, which I will discuss during the presentation. We delivered our third consecutive quarter of improved profitability on the back of record gold sales from Hale, robust average gold prices, and notably improved margins. We are delivering on our commitments. It was a particularly strong second quarter at Hale. The operation sold 59,000 ounces of gold and over 104,000 ounces of gold through the first half at all in sustaining cost of $953 per ounce, putting us well within range of its full-year guidance. Hale's record performance was partially offset by lower sales from McRae's, which delivered a lower-than-expected first-half performance due to an extended mill shutdown and mining limitations. With these disruptions largely resolved, we expect a stronger second half from McRae's. At Waihee, we recommenced sustained milling and bought Martha Underground production online. We continue to advance our exciting organic growth projects. Total capital investments during the quarter of approximately $95 million were focused on growth, including the Martha Underground 
and Golden Point Underground Development, and the Hale Paig Waste Rock Storage Expansion and TSF lift. We ended the first half with $142 million in immediate available liquidity and have ensured our ability to continue to progress our organic growth projects on optimal timelines. Delivering on our commitments is the core value for Oceana Gold and the renewal of the DPO's FTAA has been a key strategic objective for Oceana Gold since the operations were suspended in mid-2019. Subsequent to the second quarter end, I am proud to share that we delivered on this commitment. The country's first FTAA has been renewed by the Philippine National Government and is a testament to our team's tremendous effort and the strong endorsement from both the community and the government. The mine is expected to be a significant source of free cash flow moving forward. Once the DPO reaches full operations, it is expected to produce approximately 10,000 gold ounces and 1,000 tonnes of copper monthly at first quartile all-in sustaining costs. Under the revised terms, the net revenue share remains 60% Philippine National Government and 40% Oceana Gold. The amendments to the terms primarily focus on returning additional benefits to local stakeholders, which is consistent with the DPO's legacy as a significant socio-economic contributor. With the renewal in hand, our attention has immediately turned to the rehire and training of our world-class Philippine workforce, which is a key catalyst to the operation achieving full production within the next 12 months. We expect to add over 700 employees to the existing operational standby team by year end. Processing is expected to commence, recommence in the fourth quarter, which with initial feed from the 19 million tonnes of stockpile, grading at 0.5 grams per tonne gold and 0.5% copper. Within the next 12 months, we will re-establish our underground mining rate to 1.6 million tonnes per annum which will supplement the ore stockpile feed into the processing plant. The transport and sale of existing copper concentrate is expected to begin late in the third quarter. The 15,000 tonnes of copper gold concentrate includes approximately 18,500 ounces of gold and 3,500 tonnes of copper. We look forward to DiPio's contribution to our portfolio over the long term. Moving on to slide five, and responsible mining is fundamental to the way we do business, and the health and safety of our workforce is a top priority. We are pleased to see improved safety performance in the second quarter, with the total recordable injury frequency rate trending lower to 3.7 versus 3.9 in quarter one, as we continue to drive proactive health and safety initiatives across our organisation. The COVID-19 pandemic remains a pressing issue globally, especially as variants of the virus continue to emerge. Our strict health and safety protocols kept our workforce safe while on site, and we will continue to use these stringent safeguards uh, for the remainder of the year. Turning to ESG, last month we launched our independently verified 2020 sustainability report. The report highlights the significant progress made in a number of areas, including climate change, human resources, biodiversity, and steps towards compliance with the World Gold Council's responsible gold mining principles. 
Notably, we joined our peers by taking immediate climate actions with the release of a new statement of position on climate change that sets a net zero operational greenhouse emissions goal by 2050. Also, as part of our journey to understand climate change risks, we commenced and reported on our first assessment of scope three emissions. This year, we are building on 2020 achievements and advancing key initiatives that keeps us at the forefront of best practice globally. We are developing work plans and targets related to the very pressing global issue of climate change. And this includes our commitment to provide 2030 climate change reduction targets in line with the Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosures by the end of 2021. We are assessing how we respect and protect human rights across our operations in the Philippines, New Zealand and the United States. These assessments will be finalised and reported on at our year end at the end of this year. We are implementing our biodiversity standard across the portfolio. And in 2021, operations will establish biodiversity baselines and management approaches that commit to no net loss in areas of natural habitat and net gain in areas with critical habitat. We will also con continue to progress towards the goal of 100% compliance of the World Gold Council's responsible gold mining principles by the end of 2022. Our overall ESG performance has been recognised by the major ESG rating agencies, and we most recently maintained our A rating with the MSCI and outperformer ranking with Sustainalytics, putting us among the elite ESG performers in the mining industry. I will now turn it over to Scott McQueen, our financial officer, who will review our second quarter financial results. Thank you, Michael, and hello, everyone. The next few slides summarise the key elements of our second quarter and year-to-date financial results. I'm pleased to report that the second quarter includes a third consecutive quarter of improved profitability for the company. The quarter-on-quarter, quarter, as well as year-on-year, year, improvement in profitability reflects higher gold sales volumes led by a record second quarter sales of 59,000 ounces at Hale, a higher period-on-period period realised gold prices. While not material in absolute terms, it was also notable that the current quarter benefited from incremental sales from Waihee as Martha Underground commenced continuous production in June as planned. We now look forward to many more years of operations and opportunities at Waihee. At Martha, gold sales were slightly down quarter on quarter, which was lower than expected and reflected the impact of additional unplanned milling downtime and mining constraints. But we do look forward to a stronger second half at McRae. You can see from the table that the first half EBITDA was $152 million, has nearly tripled over the same period last year and is up 45% quarter on quarter. As noted, this is the third consecutive quarter of improved profitability and margins, with adjusted net earnings for the second quarter coming in at $36.9 million, or $0.05 cents per share fully diluted. For the year-to-date, adjusted net earnings per share equates to $0.08. Cents. Moving to operating cash flow, we did see a decrease to $35.8 million despite the improved profitability, the decrease being timing related, reflecting the physical deliveries into the gold pre-sale arrangement for which we received proceeds in Q3 2020 at $1,920 per ounce. 
During the quarter, we delivered just over 31,000 ounces, or around $60 million of revenue, under the pre-sale contracts. The final 9,000 ounces to fully close out these agreements will be delivered today. On an adjusted basis, excluding working capital movements, which is consistent with how it's been reported in prior periods, adjusted operating cash flow equated to $0.13 cents per share fully diluted for the quarter bringing year-to-date cash flow to share to $0.22. Cents. Investing cash flow increased to $80.9 million in the second quarter, bringing our year-to-date total investments to $152.8 million. This related to planned developments, and the rate of investment is expected to reduce somewhat into the second half. The bulk of the year-to-date investment relate to the major key projects well underway or nearing completion including hail waste storage expansions and the hail underground early surface works, continued Martha underground development with the mine now producing, Golden Point underground development where production is expected to commence in the fourth quarter, and ongoing exploration, especially our high value targets in the Waihee district. Financing cash flow consisted primarily of finance leases with no drawdowns on debt facilities during the quarter. Moving to slide seven. As at June 30, our cash balance stood at 92.3 million with total available liquidity of 142 million. Total net debt stood at 224.8 million. The reduction in our cash balance quarter on quarter represents expenditure on planned investments into our key organic growth projects. As we had planned for these, and we continue to actively monitor and manage liquidity as we move through the peak growth investment period this year. And we now also plan to ramp the DIPIO back into full operation. While the liquidity outlook is sound at these gold prices, and we had prepared to continue our growth projects irrespective of the timing of the DIPIO restart, with ramp up now commencing, we took a proactive, prudent and low cost step to further enhance short term liquidity headroom and increased flexibility by establishing a $30 million working capital facility with Scotiabank. This short-term facility forms part of the total permitted indebtedness under the company's existing credit facilities and the existing security package. While we don't anticipate drawing this facility and we expect the sale of concentrate stock and the restart of the DIPIO to contribute significantly to our free cash flow this year and beyond, we remain focused on ensuring all risks are managed proactively and cost-effectively, and our key high-value growth projects can be delivered on the optimal timeline as they enter their latter phases. Turning to slide H, which includes a bit more detail on capital investments. As mentioned, our 2021 capital investment program is focused on advancing our organic growth projects into production. Second quarter capital investments were approximately $95 million. Of this, just over half was growth, including $28 million at Hale and the initial Hale Underground Works, $17 million at Waihi on the development of Martha and the process plant upgrades to facilitate the recommencement of production, and $4 million at McRae's for the development of Golden Point Underground. Exploration spend totaled $6.4 million with the majority related to the ongoing definition and expansion drilling at and around Waihi. The total also includes resource conversion of the proposed underground stopes and extensional drilling at Golden Point Underground. 
sustaining capital expenditure double quarter on quarter and largely related to capitalised mining costs, with 16 million in pre-stripping at Hale and 14 million at McRae's, related to pre-stripping at Deepdale North, Open Pit and underground development to access a new panel identified at Fraser's Underground. Due to a hot Due to higher mining costs early in the year at Hale and changes in mining sequence and activities at McRae's, we now expect a higher proportion of our mining costs to be capitalised across the full year and have updated our pre-strip and capitalised mining guidance accordingly. The projects are moving ahead strongly. As noted, Martha Underground commenced production late in the quarter as planned and on budget, and Golden Point Underground is expected to commence by year end. Hale Underground is moving forward with surface infrastructure progressing with the commencement of underground development ready to progress post-finalisation of the SEIS. Based on the first half progress, updated timings at Hale and ongoing capital reviews, we have reduced our full year investment expectations somewhat to between 275 to 295 million, despite the increased allocation to capitalised mining costs. Now I'll turn the presentation back over to Michael, who will provide details on operational performance during the quarter. Thank you, Scott. And moving on to slide nine. Hale delivered a record second quarter and best ever first half, producing over 100,000 gold ounces through the mid-year, a doubling over the prior year period. Total gold production of 57 ounces, thousand ounces in the second quarter increased approximately 30% over quarter one, as we moved into the higher grade ore zones in, mill, in snake, phase, uh, snake phase two. Mill feed increased 24% quarter on quarter with resolution of the quarter one outages and along with improved recoveries benefited overall production. Mining unit costs of $2.60 per tonne decreased quarter on quarter, but increased nearly 10% over the prior year due to higher fleet maintenance costs. Milling unit costs also showed improvement quarter on quarter, but increased over the prior year uh, to date due to first quarter outages. All in sustaining costs fell well below the $1,000 per ounce sold in the second quarter and year to date, reflecting higher gold sales from improved grades and lower overall cash costs. These benefits were partly offset by the higher than planned pre-stripping capital expenditures in the second quarter. Given the outstanding results year to date, we refined our expectations for the full year at, full year at Hale and now expect 160,000 to 170,000 gold ounces of production, which is in the upper range of the original guidance. All in sustaining costs and cash costs have also been revised to just above the original guided ranges. Now expected to be 1,100 to 1,150 and $850 to $900 per ounce sold respectively. Total cash expended, total capital expenditures at Hale for the year are estimated at $135 to $145 million, which is moderately lower than original expectations. Lower growth capital spend has been partly offset by increased pre-stripping related to mill zone phase two development and Leadbetter phase one development. Portal development for the Ahal underground is expected to commence with the receipt of the supplementary environmental impact statement, originally expected by mid-year. The SEIS will allow continued development of the existing Hale footprint, expansion of the TSF and PAVE cells, and full development of the Hale underground. Engagement with the US Army Corps of Engineers and the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control 
remains positive and ongoing as the company responds to inquiries received post-release of the draft SEIS. We anticipate the record of decision and final permit in the fourth quarter of this year. Turning to slide 10. Though we are pleased with the record performance in the first half of the year from Hale, we also recognise we have significant opportunities for improvement that can make this a world-class asset. Recently, we advised of the commencement of a site-wide technical review of Hale with oversight from our technical committee. We are currently assessing the physical performance and reviewing constraints in terms of both mining and milling. Through the diagnosed phase, we are building off our current improvements and identifying further bottlenecks and practices that can be improved. This process is intended to identify and prioritise opportunities to de-risk the asset and potentially deliver additional value. We will identify and implement these initiatives that are going to deliver productivity and unit cost improvements and thus more value long-term. In the short-term program, we are reviewing plant availabilities, reliability, utilisation, and ultimately throughput. We're reviewing mining productivities in areas of drill and blast, waste and water management, and mining selectivity, which is looking at bench height and dilution, as well as equipment availability and utilisation. And for example, based on industry standard benchmarking, all considered within the context of site-specific constraints, we're of the view that the mining costs of $2.20 per tonne or less are achievable over the life of mine. And as such, we are taking action to arrest escalation and deliver reduced unit costs. Over the long-term timeframe of the operation, water and waste management are also a primary area of focus. Construction of waste storage facilities, and in some cases, rehandling of waste rock to accommodate potentially asset generating material, is over the life of mine and is capital extent intensive. We are currently working with regulators in the site to mitigate the need for additional PEG waste storage capacity. Water management is also an area of focus, including excess water pumpage, storage, uh, water pumping for storage purposes, and the management of in-pit and on-site water, including road preparation for wet weather and drainage strategies. We will also assess capital allocation methodologies at the site, ensuring we are advancing the highest value projects for the site and within the contest context of the company's total portfolio. This includes mining trade-off studies where we are reviewing the potential to convert future open pit pushbacks with higher strip ratios to underground mining at higher cutoff grades. As you can see, there are opportunities for significant improvements at Hale, and we are determined to realise these. We are pleased to welcome our new Executive General Manager, David Longdonio, to site earlier this month. David joins us from Kirkland Lake where he was Vice President of Projects and prior as GM of Detour Lake Gold Mines. He brings decades of technical and operational experience and a contagious enthusiasm for changes to come at Hale. We expect to share more details of a site-wide technical review as we move into the solution identification and implementation phases over the coming months and provide a comprehensive update of findings post year end. Moving on to, on to New Zealand, McRae's second quarter gold production of approximately 32,000 ounces of gold was limited by geotechnical constraints and extended mill downtime. As a result, mining activities remained focused on waste movements, including pre-stripping activities at the new Deep Dell North open pit. And production year-to-date of 67,000 ounces of gold was lower than expected. 
During the second quarter, the operation completed the planned rebricking of the autoclave, installed the refurbished stag mill motor, and completed additional out-of-scope maintenance activities that resulted in a five-day delay to restart. In addition, pit wall movement in Coronation North resulted in delayed mining of the high-grade ore. These factors resulted in a lower than expected production during the quarter. With the mill uh, issues resolved and uh, to full capacity and the geotechnical risks being managed by the team, McRae's is confident that a stronger second half is on track to deliver into the lower end of full year guidance. However, as a result of these factors, the company is forecasting a consequently higher oil and sustaining cost and cash costs due to changes in the mine sequence. As you can see, the picture in the lower corner of the slide, Golden Point Underground Development continues to progress with deliveries of new equipment arriving on site during the second quarter. First production is on track for quarter four this year from Golden Point. Moving on to slide 11. Why he produced just over 3,000 ounces late in the second quarter, taking year-to-date production to just over 8,000 gold ounces. Sustained milling recommenced in late quarter two after a seven-week shutdown of the plant to upgrade the SAG mill and complete general maintenance. We continue to expect YHE to deliver 35,000 to 45,000 ounces of gold production this year at an improved all in sustaining costs and cash costs. Ramp-up of gold production will continue and we are targeting a production rate of 90,000 to 100,000 gold ounces per year from the project over the next few years. We continue to believe that Waihi North project, which includes Farakira Ponga, represents the greatest value opportunity within our portfolio. Drilling continues at Farakira Ponga, including resource conversion drilling on the Eastern Graben vein and a significant step out on the southwestern strike extent of the main structure. Where the conditions improved in June and provided the necessary water levels to support continuous diamond drilling. We currently expect to deliver an updated pre-feasibility study in early 2022 and further define the potential of this high quality asset. Moving to slide 12. We consider the DIPIO an integral part of our portfolio and its restart is, is a key focus for us for the remainder of the year. Activities for the restart are progressing to plan. Our initial focus is securing all the standard operating per permits to ensure uninterrupted supply chains and sustainable operations. This includes discussions with the local government groups, evidencing the documenting, detailing the startup plans we have developed. This is a critical process and we want to ensure that we get it right. Concurrently, the recruitment, rehire and training of our workforce is underway. To date, approximately 230 or one third of job vacancies have been posted. And following a two week notice period, we will be in the position to start filling these roles. The interest in these positions has been overwhelming so far. We're also progressing the rehiring of critical roles, including the operational management positions. And this is tracking as planned. I will refer you to the timeline in our presentation which provides a detailed overview of our restart plan over the next 12 months. We expect to restart the process plant in the fourth quarter, and this timeline is driven by the required maintenance and recommissioning activities to reinstate, reinstall, and retest all the equipment. 
Critical personnel and spare part components are expected to be on site by August month end to commence the restart process. And functions that can be restarted now are well underway. Processing of the existing stockpiles is expected to be supplemented by ore from underground with the commencement of the underground development and production currently expected in early October. The underground will commence once we complete the onboarding and retraining of our personnel, as well as implement re-entry protocols required to ensure a safe restart. The ramp up will be over several months as we recommence the development and stope extraction sequence. COVID-19 remains a significant risk in the Philippines and especially at the DPO given the camp accommodations. Early in the second quarter, the total number of positive COVID cases increased to 63 in line with local trends and has since decreased in June and July. The DPO mine has existing COVID-19 management protocols which were developed with reference and in alignment to the national and international guidelines. These protocols include testing and screening before mobilisation and entry into the operation, precautionary isolation measures, regular testing and screening of the workforce, and testing capability and capacity with efficient turnaround of results. The renewal of the FTAA and the restart of the DPO has been a key initiative for us. And we look forward to bringing the operation online and our valued Philippine workforce back to site. Now looking to the future, our key initiatives for 2021 are unchanged. However, with notable progress in most areas. Excellence in ESG and a commitment to responsible mining remains fundamental to the way we do business. We delivered our 2020 sustainability report reporting on key initiatives like carbon emissions, carbon emissions that put us at the forefront of best practice amongst our peers. Delivering on our commitments is a core value for Oceana Gold. And for us, that means achieving our 2021 guidance with uh, successfully delivering on organic growth. As at the end of the first half, we remain on track to achieve both of these measures. Achieving our robust organic growth projects is key to delivering shareholder value and we're doing so in two geopolitically stable jurisdictions, New Zealand and the United States. And the safe restart of the DPO remains a significant near-term catalyst for the company. With the renewal in hand and the restart underway, we look forward to achieving full operations over the next 12 months and contributing to the Philippines' COVID-19 economic recovery. In summary, we're focused on bringing our organic growth online and restarting the DPO, which we believe is critical to creating shareholder value. Oceana Gold is a resilient and dynamic gold miner with a strong and sustainable future. And with the restart of the DPO operations, we believe that that future is even brighter as we realise growth potential that is all our own. Thank you for joining us today. And I will now turn over the call, uh, well, I will now turn the call back over to the operator for questions and answers. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star, followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star, followed by two, 
If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Oves Habib from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thanks, Operator. Hi, Michael and Oceana Gold Team. Um, congrats on a good quarter. Just a couple of uh, questions from me. Uh, just starting with um, um, maybe if uh, David Londono can uh, give us some uh, color on his first 15, day, 15 days uh, with Oceana and any comments he can provide on any kind of operational improvements, like low hanging fruit uh, improvements he sees at here. Great. Look, thanks very much, Evaste, and uh, you know, really good, uh, really good quarter, as you said, and really happy to get the DPO online. And uh, David, over to you for a baptism of fire. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, okay. Uh, so yes, I've been there for a couple of weeks, and uh, so one of the things that we're looking at as, as a win on the on you know the first three months or early in the game is going to be fragmentation. I think if we increase the fragmentation at the mine, uh, we are going to be able to increase throughput through the mill. So I see that one as a, as a, a win. Uh, we do have uh, a little bit of difficulties with the drilling, uh, so because obviously we have to increase the drilling. So we're looking and see how we are going to, uh, let's say, optimize our drilling capacity at site. Uh, you know, we see also uh, waste management. So I'm doing an optimization of the waste to see how can we better use the closest dumps to the mining areas, and and that way reduce the mining costs and increase our productivity on the chocolate. Um, other options that we have is water management. Uh, you can see that um, uh, water is a big issue here in South Carolina. So. Uh, we're looking into uh, how we can treat more uh, water and, and discharge more water into uh, uh, in the area, and uh, so to get rid of what we you know we get a lot of rain, particularly this time of the year, uh, to improve and the opening our pits. Uh, so that, that, those are the things that I'm looking at the first three months. Perfect, David. I uh, really appreciate your comments. Uh, and looking forward to uh, hearing uh, additional uh, color from you uh, over the next couple of months. Uh, my second question, just uh, based on uh, the first half production of around 177,000 ounces and your revised kind of guidance, uh, tightening of guidance, uh, the implied production for the second half is approximately about 180 to 185,000 ounces. Uh, and looks like Q4 is shaping up to be your strongest quarter within the second half. Can you provide some color as to the percentage of production in Q3 versus Q4? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah. Thanks. Um, thanks, Ovace. It's, uh, it's a bit of a shuffling of the chairs. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, as we mentioned, hail sort of production, um, as we previously discussed, is always going to be first half weighted. Um, and then we'll see the ramping up of, uh, of um, Waihe and, um, and, uh, and, you know, a stronger quarter at, uh, at, at McRae. So look, the quarter three, quarter four is, is fairly flat um, uh, overall when you sort of put them all in the mix and separate them out. Okay, perfect. And and just uh, did you already mention? Maybe I, I missed it. But uh, when do we get revised guidance, uh, or when you're looking to release revised guidance, including Delipio? Yeah, look, we're um, we're working through the the plans with regards to the DPO, and and um, we're we're ensuring there's a few a few activities that we need to do on the ground, and you know the first uh, post the notarisation. Um, it's a bit of documentation that we have to sort of follow the uh, follow the documentation stream through registration, uh, getting the business as usual permits um, through the MGB Region Two, presenting the documentation to the local government units. Um, as I mentioned, we're sort of posting posting the um, the notice of um, employment notices on the boards, and then sort of waiting for two weeks until we can start rehiring. So. We're currently in this uh, in this next couple of weeks, really just sort of finalising to ensure that when we do open uh, and start the operations, it's going to be sustainable and, and uninterrupted. Um, and so once we sort of get a little bit uh, further over this uh, this understanding period, and then have the confidence with regards to bringing people back on and training uh, with the backdrop of COVID, uh, we'll sort of we'll uh, we'll be presenting an updated guidance. Um, for uh, you know, for the for this year and for uh, for the next um, four years for the DPO, uh, as I mentioned, you know, uh, we haven't changed on the view with regards to what we sort of presented to the plan uh, presented previously with regards to the 12 month ramp up and the, the stages of ramping up through the operation. But you know, we'll base will will be working our hardest to try and you know beat those and shoot those out of the water. So uh, for us, um, you know, the, the idea is to to get the required permits, get all the material. It has been on standby, um, which means that we basically have to re-grease, re-oil, recommission um, everything as we go through um, with all the pieces of equipment uh, and to get that going. So focuses for us is to ensure that we have the right paperwork, the right support. So once we start, we don't get uh, we don't get interrupted as well as uh, as well as focusing on on uh, getting the uh, the employees back, the equipment up and running, and certainly, you know, focusing on getting the uh, the, get the concentrate that's on site out um, out uh, out and sold as well. Perfect, thanks. Uh, and and that's what for me. Uh, so uh, thanks to uh, David as well as uh, yourself, Michael. Thank you very much, Avas. Your next question comes from Mike Parkin from National Bank. Mike, please go ahead. Thanks, guys, for taking my questions. Uh, just kind of going back to the previous um, update on hail, can you give us a bit more color as to why you think there's, you know, a greater potential for potential acid generation PAG material out of the pits and what your thought process is there to, to mitigate that in terms of a mine plan? Or it seems like you're maybe considering attacking some of the ore zones a little more from an underground basis versus an open pit. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Mike. It, um, it's something that we've sort of been dealing with with regards to um, just the 
the understanding of the uh, the boundaries within between the green. There's three um, there's three categories of uh, of waste material. We have the green waste, the the yellow peg, and the the red peg. Uh, the peg has to go on to constructed cells, uh, and the green waste can go uh, in a uh, just a normal placement. Uh, as we've sort of been mining it um, with some of the uh, the edge effects, uh, we've we've identified that there's additional peg that we have been mining. Uh, and so we're now going through the processes of, uh, of working with the governments to identify a couple of things. One is, is the, the amount of additional PEG, uh, the categories of the PEG as well. There's some um, material that, is, uh, that has been categorised PEG that isn't acid generating. And so we believe that uh, they can become into, uh, into a different, into the green waste category. And that's something that we're, uh, we're currently working with the regulators. Uh, and then just understanding the, um, the full amount of uh, PEG material within, with regard to the model, uh, as, as appreciated, you know, the storage of PEG is at, is at a, a PEG is at a higher cost, uh, and that then can sort of, you know, having a look at the late stages that we've got with high strip ratios, um, that sort of brings into that sort of trade-off studies that we're looking at for, you know, underground versus uh, versus open pit. We're seeing the underground potential as uh, as a real opportunity for hail. Um, for not only the hug, but the, the, the um, depth extension to the, the hail underground, um, the ore body beside it, the hex, the hail extension, uh, as well as the sort of the Palomino, uh, the resource that we, um, we delivered on, the 600,000 ounces of resource. We believe, you know, the 40% of the gold is in the, in the top three levels there, and there's a real opportunity uh, to move forward with that. And then, so if you're, if you're sort of looking at uh, those underground areas, then if you're on the way out to uh, from Hale Underground to Palomino, then you can certainly duck into maybe the bottom of Leadbatter or uh, or Snake, uh, which has got the higher uh, higher strip ratios. So they're the things that they're the trade-offs that we're looking at at this point in time. And so that trade-off sort of you know gets you back into a higher grade ore. It looks at reduction of you know total amount of material to be mined from the open pit uh, point of view and, and certainly the reduction in the amount of pay, uh, pay material as well. So they're the, uh, that's the sort of longer term programs that we're looking at. They aren't, they aren't gonna impact the short term plan that we've got. They're more sort of, you know, five plus years down the track, but that's certainly something we're looking at, Mike. Okay, and then just in terms of employee availability, I know back when you guys went into construction of the hail you know, unemployment rates were pretty high in the region. Since then, you've seen you know quite a bit of competition for labor coming into the area. Can you give us an update in terms of how that's shaping up? What the turnover rate is like? If there's you know significant cost pressure on you know a, a workforce for hail? I, I remember you were looking to um, pull people in from the Nevada region, which was showing some success in terms of interest. Um, just an update on kind of the labor pool and, and cost of it uh, would be great. Yeah, look, um, it is something that has uh, that has been uh, a focus area, and, and it's certainly one of the things that you know um, David is looking at is the talent management and how we sort of progress that going forward. We have taken the turnover rates down uh, significantly since sort of you know I think if you remember. A couple of years ago, from around that 40% down to sort of 20s, um, we're trying to drive it down to to double low double digits. Um, the 20% is uh, the, the the low 20s uh, is still a proportion of of company um, turnover as well as uh, as well as just you know um, employee turnover. 
Uh, for us, it, it still remains a focus and it, and it um, is something that we need to continue driving on and continue improving. Um, we are seeing some opportunities within the market, but it is, it is getting tighter and tighter. We've, uh, through the COVID period, as you uh, um, may remember, that we did go to an employment agency to, uh, to supplement the workforce during the, the period of, uh, of um, you know, when people were, uh, had to be uh, self-isolated. Um, so we're utilising sort of those, uh, those opportunities, but it, it's still an ongoing, uh, an ongoing focus for us, Mike. Okay, thanks very much, that's it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star followed by one. Your next question comes from John Tomazel, uh, from an investor, please go ahead. Thank you. Um, concerning the DiDipio restart, the concentrate inventory looks like a 50 to $60 million source of cash. And then when you start milling, you're going to be milling down these stockpiles where they've probably already been expensed for mining. So how much more would the cash from inventory liquidation be larger than the development capital for underground work, training, and other costs to restart? Yeah, thanks, uh, oh, yeah, no worry. Thanks, Scott. I'll hand it over to you anyway. Thanks. Thanks, John. Yes, um, you're right. The concentrate on, on hand has a significant value at current prices, probably um, north of 60 million. In fact, um, the restart on the lower grade material, as, my, as Michael mentioned in the presentation, uh, scheduled around Q4, um, will will certainly be cash flow positive. So, yeah, we'd expect a very strong net cash flow generation and, and well in excess of what's required as part of the ramp up process over the next um, six to 12 months, certainly. So was the $30 million uh, extra credit line you negotiated earlier in the quarter before you had the good news about the DPO restart? Yeah, we had started that, that negotiation process, John, with the, while the uncertainty still remained around the timeline of the DPO. Um, Given, given the restart did take a little bit longer than we'd liked, but uh, we're happy that it's underway. Um, there is there is still unknown risks in the Philippines around uh, COVID. Um, that's probably particularly a risk uh, around the transport of concentrate, given it's a, a 12 hour round trip to port through through lots of communities. So um, given we'd gone down that path, we thought it was prudent and cost effective just to continue and put it in place temporarily until we get the ramp up underway, but we don't expect to use it. And um, as I said, we expect the cash flow to be positive coming out of the DBA. I saw Paul was named chairman. We know him from SSR Mining. Um, I had three things that came to mind. Forgive me if I'm a little bit uh, mischievous in my question. I was wondering if you're looking to merge with an asset in Turkey or alternatively do a merger of equals. That's where two companies with a little hair on them get together, each one thinking the other will solve their problems. And the CEOs get a change of control bonus and the bankers get fees, but the stocks don't always go up. Or w 
would you only sell out for at least a 50% premium, given how much your production is going to rise in the next four years? Forgive me for being teasing you a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, John. Look, I, I think um, as our chairman, um, current chairman, Ian Reid, uh, his, his view and, uh, and thought process is that is the chairman's role is never a, a lifelong role. Um, and he believes that companies should be structured uh, and, and led uh, at the appropriate time by the appropriate knowledge. And Ian has led us through the whole, the DPO FTA renewal. So he basically got into the chair position when the, the boom gate came down and basically saw the successful renegotiation of the DPO. Um, Ian has stood aside, uh, recognising that now we're in a, we're in a, a ramp up growth phase uh, at all our operations, um, we're in a we're in a uh, you know a consenting permitting phase at all our operations, and uh, and he he thought it was appropriate that uh, somebody with the good uh, long term mining knowledge uh, step up into the chairman's role, and and Paul Benson has accepted that position, which is uh, which is great for the company, and we've reinforced I think the skill set within the company as well, uh, with Mick McMullen um, coming and joining the board, so. Look, our focus is fully, you know, we've got four four exciting projects, basically, uh, the ramp up of the DPO, which, as I said, we're going to try and knock out the lights. It's uh, a lot of activities happening and, and at the moment the, the surface, we're like a duck, the surface is, is quite smooth, but we will, uh, once we open that, we will be, uh, we'll be throwing everything at it. At it. Um, we've got the exciting sort of Martha underground uh, and ramping that up, the G-Pug ramping that up and then the hail work that we're doing and, and you know, it's a good time for us to sort of sit back and reflect, uh, certainly with the two new board members, to sit back and reflect on the performance. Um, it hasn't been, you know, we have improved, but it hasn't been where we want it to be. And so this is a good opportunity, both with the two, the two new um, board members, as well as uh, David coming on board, to actually really have a good look at Harl and work out what the, uh, the best way is moving forward. So really excited. Um, we have, you know, some enormous potential coming through with the Waihi North project, which we're doing a lot of consultation with the, uh, with the communities around, uh, around Waihi and, and the government uh, as well, uh, and, and all the regulatory bodies there. So uh, we're very excited about the, the, the path going forward. So I think uh, the chair and the board and, and the management group will be very, uh, very busy, you know, Kicking the lights out and, and really, really sort of pushing the uh, the business back into that uh, into the sort of world class path that we want to with the assets that we have. Um, and yes, you know that'll hopefully get reflected in the share price as we move forward as well. We've had three consecutive good quarters, and we just want to build on that now with the DPO uh, coming back online. Thank you. So to summarise, you've got two or three years of work to get the output up to six hundred fifty thousand ounces or so and it's not the right time to sell out, even though you have these M&A guys on your board that have sold their other companies. That's a very good summary, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for putting up with my questions. Your next question comes from Farouk Hamed from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, morning or good evening, everyone. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, I guess my question is somewhat related to the uh, previous series of questions there. It's, it's more related to the new FTAA agreement at Didipio. 
Um, I know that as part of the new agreement, there was some requirement that uh, shares of the subsidiary, I believe up to 10% of shares of the subsidiary be made available on the uh, local exchange. I'm just wondering if there are any other restrictions or constraints that are included in the new FTAA agreement uh, related to Oceana's ability to uh, potentially sell the operation down the road to a foreign entity. Yes, thanks, Farouk. Um, look, the uh, it's uh, the FTAA renewal. I think um, excitingly is a is a win win for both uh, both ourselves and the and the uh, the government. Um, the ten percent within three years was really to sort of demonstrate the local or the ability for local ownership. Um, the other other conditions are really around sort of additional community support uh, from the broader. Uh, regulated community support, which is the SDNP, which really looks at the, the you know, the local barangay and the 10 surrounding barangays. So the additional support um, that has been put in there is more of a regional support. Um, the, the potential sale of the Dore to the Philippine uh, National Bank is also, you know, localising sort of the product and, uh, and you know, we have the Dore uh, that can be stored. So that was the other, other thing. And then just sort of um, moving the sort of the corporate address to the to the, the provincial area, so they're really the only sort of um, in terms with regards to the renewal, um, as well as a bit of the uh, the government sharing the percentage with regards to the net not returns. Um, but there is you know there is no real impediments, and it's it's more just sort of along the structure with some additional additional uh, benefits for the for the government and the locals. Um, uh, but predominantly the 60-40 split in the same terms and conditions. So uh, I don't see any further impediments, uh, Farouk. If that was the case, I mean, we've got the 25-year uh, agreement now. So for us, it's it's getting up there and delivering. It is a, uh, a significant cash generator for the business. So, um, and we've got a really, you know, we had a really proud, uh, dedicated workforce there that was uh, it was a world-class operation. And that's what we want to bring it back to and have that world-class operation within our uh, within our stable. Okay, thanks for that. And then maybe just a follow-up question on the, uh, uh, you know, the, the concentrate inventory that you have on site now that will start to be sold in Q3 and Q4. Um, could you give us a rough breakdown of, of uh, you know, kind of how much you see being sold in Q3 versus how much in Q4? Oh, look, it's um, it, it's hard to determine that uh, at this point in time. Um, We've sort of um, we will get the the, the the you know the the components put together. So it just depends on the ability of the truck. So we we'll probably we can sell it in parcels to Trafigura, but uh, the trucking will start towards the end of quarter three. So the majority of the, the sales will probably come through and be um, be recognised in quarter four. Okay, that's that's very helpful. Thanks. That's it for me. There are no further questions at this time. I'll now turn it back to Alyssa. Thank you, operator. We do have one question submitted through the webcast for our management team. The question is, the current shares owned by the board and management is low. Can we expect now that earnings is over for the board and management to show their commitment through buying shares? 
look, thanks, um, thanks, Alyssa. I'm, you know, I'm heavily committed to the uh, Oceano Gold um, share portfolio myself, um, and I believe you know this is a perfect opportunity uh, once we're out of blackout for the rest of the team and uh, and the board to uh, to consider that option. So you know, it's up to each individual. Uh, member, but I believe there's uh, there's obviously some you know some great opportunities there. Yes. Thank you, Michael. We have no further questions. So with that, I will conclude our webcast and conference call. A replay will be available on our website later today. And on behalf of Michael Scott and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Ladies and Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.